everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Howdy ho, friendos. No. <laughs> what? No. How do you get to howdy ho? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love was that. trying to be new today. I and for those reasons, I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> okay, well, for what reason? Oh my god. Heidi ho, friendo. <laughs> Howdy ho. You know what? This is John. I'm happy to talk to everybody. Okay. <laughs> wow. Today, we're all about the bees. Bears, beets, and Battlestar Galactica? No. Babies, badass burgers, of course. Will these burgers be worth the bite? It's up to the boisterous minds of our favorite billionaires, our brilliant listeners, and Burial and Bond, of course. But first, a quick ad. Today in the tank, we have Baby's Badass Burgers, and Baby's Badass Burgers comes to us from Erica and Lori, and they are asking for $250,000 for 30% of their company, which is an $833,000 valuation. Now, Baby's Badass Burgers is a gourmet food truck experience, which serves burgers, but the most delightful part is that it comes in like this Barbie pink magenta food truck, which is offering a, quote, playfully unique and entertaining experience. They boast quality ingredients. They even give the sharks one to try. So thinking about our founders, thinking about our initial product, we'll get into what it turns into in a minute, but what are our thoughts of our pitch and our founders and our product? Well, that was a great description, Jory, of the product. It was missing one thing, a big old dollop of sexuality on top. Every Fair. burger's named after like- Like bombshell. They're uh, like- They're all about mm-hmm. women's sexuality. And it's like, it's a Hooters on wheels. It's basically a Hooters <laughs> on wheels. I the same thought and I don't want to say it's it. It's a magenta Hooters on wheels that serves burgers instead of wings. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a delicate product for me to talk about. You know, I don't want to get like canceled or anything. This is a, tr- a tricky one to talk about. <laughs> well, you know, in your defense, they're like, come for the burgers, stay for the buns. So it's like, they're very well aware that's branding. Their product. That's their right? branding, yeah. <laughs> right. right. That's the whole thing. Like Chiba Hut has their own shtick with like, we make sandwiches for a certain target demographic and name their sandwiches based off of certain things that said target demographic enjoys. Oh, really? Like what? You've never been to Chiba Hut? I don't even know what that is. Oh, it is a sandwich shop that they oh. have different sandwiches, like a Maui Wowie and like a Perp-a-Derp, like different types of like sandwich names. It sounds like it's for stoners. I'm, it is. How it would is. I know? I guess Ariel, I, you know. Living on the West Coast. Fair enough. Okay. I'm excited to get into this one, actually, because they seem to have product market fit. Their food trucks are actually doing pretty well. They're bright pink, so they're very recognizable. They have a very bold name. And the sharks love the burgers. All the burgers are named in really raunchy ways, which I assume appeals to a very clear target demographic. I'm kind of excited about this product. It feels like a perfect Shark Tank business, like spits out some money. They probably need to improve their profit margin a little bit. I think they've got like a 15% net profit margin. And so it'd be great if they could get that up a little bit. But there's probably some strategies they can do to drive that up. The costs aren't that high because they're running a food truck model. And so from that dimension, I'm like, this is kind of a perfect Shark Tank business. The problem is that's not what they want money for. They want money Mm -hmm. to open a brick and mortar store. And it just threw this whole twist into the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they basically were asking for money for something that isn't even their business model today. And so it's just really hard for the sharks to process it. And I actually similarly like really struggled to figure out, is this a business I would go in on or not? That's fair. 
they start their pitch with one business and then they sort of like bait and switch it. And they're like, just kidding. What you're really investing in is our restaurant and it's going to follow all the branding of our food trucks. But everything we know about our food trucks might not transfer over to our restaurant. Right. And I feel like this is also a very classic instance of where the founder is looking to scale and they don't know what to scale to next. So they are really sold to one idea. And in their mind, they fall kind of into that trap of, okay, if you think this is the only way you can achieve upward like mobility or growth for your business, then you kind of trap yourself within that area, which we kind of see play out throughout the negotiations. Do you think that it's that they don't know how to scale or that they have a particular vision of how to scale and they're not moving from that vision? I think it's both. I think, you know, the founders come from the limited knowledge that we know, like, of their backgrounds. They're primarily within the restaurant industry and within that business. They have a lot of experiences with brick and mortar stores, which require very different needs than a food truck oriented business. So I do see it as, well, there's partially we want to start this and add this to our chain and our portfolio of like awesome restaurants that we've opened before in the past. But I also think too, like they don't really know much outside of like the food truck industry or what the opportunities are for growth there. I would have loved them to come back and be like, well, this is where we're tapped out. This is how many trucks we have or we're saturating certain markets or these are certain areas we're leaning into. But it was just so oriented on shifting to the brick and mortar that I think we missed a lot of that. Yeah, I wish they had talked more just about the rationale for going into brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Like I was looking into it and food trucks on average, like their margins are actually seem to be pretty average for the food truck industry. It seems like 15% margins are pretty average across the board for food trucks. And I, in my head was like, well, I assume brick and mortar restaurants, the margins are much higher, right? Because there's a whole bunch of higher margin Mm -hmm. stuff like alcohol and yada, yada. But it actually seems like the opposite. It's just much more expensive and you have mm-hmm. much lower turns in a restaurant. And so margins are closer to like 10% in a brick and mortar restaurant. And so they're basically saying, we want to take your money to invest in something that will have lower returns than the thing that we're currently doing instead of scaling that thing. And that just became just a huge problem for them. Right. And we have no proof of concept that this idea that's working so well in the food truck will actually translate over into brick and mortar. When you have a food truck, you're driving to your audience, right? But when you have mm-hmm. a brick and mortar, you're expecting that audience to come which are two very different problems you're trying to solve for. Coming back to Hooters a little bit, like I was just wondering, I was like, well, does Hooters like do well? Mm. I was like, what, mm-hmm. like, is it a successful business? And they have somewhere close to a billion dollars in revenue every year as a business. And so oh. as a chain, it does incredibly well and seems to have found good product market fit. And so if to the extent they could tap into that similar market, you know, it doesn't seem like they're launching a concept that is a particularly high risk in terms of the restaurant concept. It's like really good burgers, you know, with really good looking women added to it. And so like to the extent that there was a restaurant market to go into, this feels one like it's pretty safe. So when it comes to scale versus innovation, like when should a company lean into one over the other or like when is it too early to consider innovating like your business model? I think for me... I would want to see a few more solid years of continual growth before then considering going into expansion. Like if they had a partnership with Whole Foods to have like a frozen burger option to try to just like test the waters out of like, okay, if we generate foot traffic into a brick and mortar location, just to prove the concept that if you have someone coming in from foot traffic, that they're actually going to purchase your product. 
Yeah, my sense on that is when you have a concept, every time you add more products, it just adds more complexity. The more products and the more ways that you sell your product, essentially, you need to add more and more people to manage all that complexity. Different businesses can go in different directions. It gets hard to know what's going well, what's not going well. And so like my advice tends to be stick to one product and do it really well and scale it and look for ways to make that as efficient as possible. And the ideal state is that you would be able to use the profit from operations to actually fund new innovation. And that's like your dream state. Mm -hmm. What you want to be able to do is say, this business is going so well and running and scaling effectively enough that I'm able to take the money from there and pour it into actually building out new business lines. And for each of them, I should find product market fit for them and then scale that up. But you definitely want to avoid a situation where you spread yourself too thin too early on. I feel like I could have given the benefit of the doubt in terms of like, maybe this is all just a question of scale and the methodology to go about scaling the business, right? But then we had a major moment where the entrepreneurs sort of let this little tidbit slide where they didn't want to continue the food truck model because it was so hands-on. And I feel like that was the moment that I saw the investment spark die in the remainder of the sharks that were interested, particularly Barbara, right? Because I think Barbara got the sense that not only were they trying to like abandon this concept that they had been really successful in, that was the food truck, but they were like trying to escape the business that they had been part of. So I was curious about your thoughts about when they were like, it's too hands-on to do this. I want to go into something else. I felt bad for them. I think that was blown out of proportion. Like, you know what the truth is? I think being in a food truck is a lot worse than being in a restaurant. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I think that is just the straight up truth from an employee experience perspective. (laughs) I don't think these entrepreneurs were saying they plan to work less because they were going to be in a restaurant. I mean, they've worked in multiple restaurants before. They know what it takes to be in there. And I feel like The truth is the Sharks just didn't like the business pivot. They didn't want to fund a brick-and-mortar restaurant because all the money would be dumped into basically capital expenditures to secure location and a whole bunch of things that they're not going to get return on anytime soon. And they just grabbed onto this as the reason that they were kind of out. For me, I would have loved to see her come back and be like, yeah, we would use this money to hire staff and to have more hands actually man the food trucks and alleviate some of that. But instead, the only solution had to be brick-and-mortar. And that's what Damon got into, right? He was just like, I was just waiting for that like slight flexibility of your overall vision and I was ready to invest. But it was the fact that the (laughs) founders were like, nope, it has to be what we imagined that they were like, no, we're not in it. Cousins Made Lobster. If you haven't listened to that episode, by the way, we interviewed the guys from Cousin Made Lobster and we learned a lot about that process. awesome. (laughs) One of the things they did is they came in and they were like, we actually don't know what to do, right? (laughs) Like we got a food truck model. It's going pretty well. We think we should keep scaling it up, but like we want an investment because we need the expertise and guidance. And I feel like sharks always react better to that because they want to just shape it their way. They've built these whole organizations and networks that basically help them drive their businesses forward. And the more that an entrepreneur will adapt to what the sharks want, the more successful it probably is. It's not just about investing your money, but it's also investing in who you want to have relationships with. Yeah. This was one of those pitches though that none of the sharks wanted to invest in, but we had to listen to like, 15 minutes of like, I call it like a sharkiloquy. (laughs) Sharkiloquy. Sharkiloquy. You like that? I like that. Yeah. But like, oh God, each of them talked for like a minute and a half about how I like this business is like, just say you're out. Right. Okay. Let's move on. These people are getting rejected up here. Make it quick and easy. Don't drag it out. Sharks. 
it could also be a production thing, right? It's usually the first pitch of the episode that we reviewed. So I feel like typically they'll add in a little more of the dramatic side effect, the back and forth. No, to the really shark like, sucks. Nobody likes the shark <laughs> We just want to know if you're in or out. Yeah, just be like, I'm out. <laughs> so I long. Love the shark bye bye. I love watching. You like the yeah, shark? Yeah, I no. love watching the tension unfold, the back and forth, the visual, like physical expressions of the sharks that give away so much more than what they could ever possibly say. Like, I like the art of it. I think sharks kill fast. I hope if I ever get a shark attack, I hope it's quick. I have been told I'm too morbid, so I actually am not going to comment on that. Dory <laughs> self-censoring this week. Okay. Anyway, so the sharks thought it was too expensive. They didn't like this jump to a brick-and-mortar business model, so they were all out. So they spent 15 minutes telling her how they're out. They did not like the business. So ultimately, Baby's Badass Burgers walked away with no deal, but I have a bit of a company update. So this was an episode back in 2013, and Baby's Badass Burgers has survived. So they have expanded on their food truck business model, and now they can be found throughout California. <laughs> but as of August 2022, their annual revenue is up to $5 million. So they are very much surviving, but it is interesting that once again, we see this entrepreneur take the shark's advice mm -hmm. and double down into what's working. So they never actually fulfilled their dream of the brick and mortar. But they exist as a business, so that's a win. Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwig. If you're a fan of the show, meh, even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite.